across all of our locations. Happy Father's Day to those of you at Lake Martin or in Huntsville. We recognize that our Birmingham location, y'all are doing church at home today. Happy Father's Day to you guys. And as our Shine Kids, man, that's a lot of third through fifth graders leaving. They're not mad or like bracing themselves for a boring sermon. They're going to study the Word of God with their incredible volunteers. Man, that's so cool. Um, we are experiencing something so incredible together as a church. And my name is Miles Fidel. If you're new, uh, we want ACC to be a family that you belong to more than a service that you attend on a Sunday. So welcome. There's so many ways to plug in and get involved. But one of the ways the members of this church participate is through the bringing of tithes and offerings. So if you are new, this is not for you. But if you do call this place home every week, we get to worship God by the availability of our stuff and go, man, I wanna build the local church God is building because I am a part of a family that is spreading out in our day, seeing the glory of God move in powerful ways. So all the ways to do that are on the screen right now. And we just wanna make sure if you are doing that, that you're doing that with a cheerful giving spirit. Tyler said we move community night to next week. One thing I do wanna make you aware of is that in two weeks on July 2nd, right before July 4th, we're gonna have one gathering just like we did a Memorial Day weekend, 10 a.m. That was so much fun. I know everybody like goes out of town during those weekends, but it was amazing to have everybody together at the same gathering. So make plans around that. And then I wanna tell you that today is going to be a special Sunday. We are three months into this new building. Tomorrow marks three months. And week after week, we've been studying the book of Acts. And we're gonna continue that today. But I've been looking for an opportunity to change the communication dynamic of this room. And what I mean by that is that we built this room to experience sermons. Part of the inspiration uh, for this room is the Greco-Roman amphitheater style of like, man, biblical times, like the orator speaking to a room. And I love that. And I've been able to do that over the course of three months and a few others have, have as well. But I thought on Father's Day, it would be cool to preach the passage that we're going to preach in a conversational living room style. So go with us on this because things are gonna get crazy. We're gonna do some things that we haven't done in a long, long time. There's gonna be a group of volunteers that are coming out right now to turn this stage into as much of a living room environment as they possibly can. And by the way, it takes hundreds of volunteers to do what we do every Sunday. And I think we should just take this opportunity to thank some of them who are carrying couches and making this happen up here on stage. So we're gonna try to create as much of a homey feel as we can. And we're still gonna be preaching slash talking through Acts today. And we think it's going to be a powerful conversation, but there is no way that I can take us into this conversation on stage without acknowledging what happened in this room a week ago. I was not here last week. Our college and community pastor, Gage Henry, brought the word of God. And I am not sugarcoating or exaggerating at all when I say it was probably the most powerful sermon and Sunday that we have had together as a church. It was amazing, y'all. He told the story of just what him and his family have gone through over the last couple of months. And he told it in such a way where the passage he preached in Acts on suffering was on full display because it was more than a sermon that a guy was preaching. It was a lifestyle that has been lived out in faithfulness to God. And so as much as this will probably embarrass him because you guys already clapped, can you give Gage Henry a huge hand as he comes up on stage? Amazing job last week. Him and I are actually gonna have a seat right here. 
and have a brief conversation. We plan to not match our outfits, so that's great, Gage. This is as close as we can come to not matching. Um, and uh, pumped that you're going to be up here for this. Now, I said, this is not an interview. This is more of a conversation about the Word of God. Happy Father's Day, by the way. Happy Father's Thank Day. Thank you. And also, uh, happy anniversary to you as well, you and Courtney. 12 years. Yeah. 12 years. 12 years ago. I remember that day very well. It was my first wedding I've ever been to in my life. I remember you wore this bright blue shirt if I'm not mistaken. And it was the you, style, okay. You, you, had a lot, you had a lot to learn in life at the time, but I uh, was grateful that you were able to make it for that. So yeah, 12 year anniversary and Father's Day on the same day. We've got a girl dad and a boy dad on stage. And right away, I just wanna keep the dynamic of this conversation from becoming Miles and Gage experts on fatherhood. Talking on father, that is not what this is. Correct. By any means, okay. Uh, this is simply, like I said, an opportunity to look at the word of God differently, but you and I are not going to be the only two up here. We're going to have a couple of other guys join us in a couple of, of moments, got some surprises this morning that we've never done before. So this is going to be fun. Do you want to do the Bible drawer? You want me to? All right, I'll do the Bible drill. Everybody, if you have your Bibles, hold it up. Do you have something for the Bible drill today? I have something. If you want me to have something, go ahead. If you uh, think that if you have a pet, you should be considered a father, leave your Bible in the air. Slams Bible. The slow, the slow, oh, that's a bad idea. See, I just wanted to make sure that everybody you knew. You know, turn with me to Acts chapter six. I, I get such a bad rap for that because I get up here and I talk about how much I don't like cats and y'all all amen me and agree and it gets like, man, we're all vibing together. And then I talk about how I don't like dogs either. I'm kind of scared. And, um, and then it's like everybody turns on me and doesn't trust me to preach the gospel anymore as a man of God. There's a family in this room today, the Stalls, who have the scariest dog in Auburn. Be careful when you drive through East Lake, right down the street. Their dog is scary. They're in our community group, and I almost left our community group because their dog was that scary. Acts All right. 6. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 6. We're going to be in verse 1, and I'm going to try to make sure I say these names correctly as we go. All right, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So keep in mind, this passage falls right after 
the moment of being considered worthy to suffer for the name. We've got the church that we've been studying for three months in the book of Acts that has gone from this small group of 120 people to thousands and thousands of people. They're suffering together and God's moving and they're finding joy in it. And then what Gage just read in seven verses is the challenges that come with being a part of a growing movement. Now, all of a sudden, the growth that is so much fun to be a part of has become a problem because you got these widows that are not getting along. Now, keep in mind, 2,000 years ago, to be a widow was like the death curse of financial ruin for somebody. They got no family to support them. And so a couple chapters ago, we read about how the early church had no one who had need, which would be a big deal in 2023, huge deal in the Greco-Roman world in an oppressed society to say, hey, no one had any need. The fact that widows are getting provided for is a huge deal, but a dispute rises between two different types of widows the widows of the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews. Mark this down, this is huge. There are subgroups that make up churches. And even though you're a part of a blended family, blended families have issues. I thought somebody was gonna say amen. Maybe it's everybody, the whole family's together on Father's Day, so we don't wanna be that real. But when you start a blended family, even a family of Jews at the time, because we haven't got into the Gentiles and how they're gonna be grafted in in the book of Acts until a couple of chapters from now. But what's happening is you got these groups of Jews. Some of them are Hebraic, meaning they speak Hebrew. They're more entrenched in the traditions of the Old Testament. They are fully committed to living out the Torah as was originally written. But then you have the Hellenistic Jews. Alexander the Great has just conquered most of the modern world. The Romans took over. So a Greco-Roman world is very much a Hellenistic world where Greek is being spoken. A lot of the ways of life are being adopted by them. And apparently these two groups are becoming a little bit of a rivalry in the local church, so much so that the Hellenistic Jews are claiming that their widows are being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, you, I know you can't imagine this in 2023, but sometimes church people don't get along. And these two groups are, 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 are not necessarily infighting, but you can feel the tension of sort of the conversations that are happening behind closed doors. And man, well, if only we were a part of the Hebraic Jews, like Peter pays so much more attention to them and James is so much more invested into them. You can kind of feel the tension that's arising at the time. So what do the apostles do? They decide that this is a moment for appointing more leaders. And when they do, the challenges of being a part of a growing movement are alleviated by the problem-solving ability of the apostles. But mark this, when they appoint more leaders, they don't grab administrative people to do the work of handing out food while they do the more important stuff like pray and study the word of God. They appoint pastors who are going to lead locally. So like you read Stephen's name, we're about to learn a lot about him. In fact, you're preaching on Stephen next week. Guys, I mean, could there be any more of a promo for a Sunday? Gage is bringing the word of God again next Sunday. Like you gotta be here, you can't miss it. Don't cheer too loud. I mean, it's like, uh, we're excited. Um, Honestly, like I, 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 seriously couldn't be happier that the best sermon in the history of our church was not me and it was you because it, 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 it impacted me still in a way that in real time I don't have words for because of the way you live your life and I'm so proud of you. Um, well, thank what you. was I talking about? Uh, yeah, the gauge We're in is Acts just, chapter six. Gauge is like, I'm just up here to say thanks. Um, so now they're, they're appointing pastors, not admin workers, because every, every man that's named right there, including Stephen, is not going to be known for the remainder of the book of Acts for the way they handed out food. They're going to be known for the way they witness. So this is about the appointment of pastors so that something that is growing rapidly can actually be managed with some sort of organization. Anything you want to add that you saw there? 
Yeah, no, I was just going to say that I think the, the fact they laid their hands on them, to me, I think it's easy for us to just assume that if I'm going to do ministry, I have to be Miles or I have to be the person up here speaking. And I love the idea that we say go and be the church every single week because it solidifies the fact that you have the Holy Spirit in you to do the ministry. And our job, honestly, up here as young guys is to equip you to do it. Auburn needs you in the lunch table, not me or Miles to defend the faith. They need you in your life. And to me, this is the reminder that even this role of handing out food matters a lot. And I know that you handed out some food. Miles actually was a waiter at Chili's, fun fact. College days. Amen. Um, I got a few meals there, so thank you for that, hooking me up. I got a sad text message today saying that that Chili's I worked out in college is closing. So I'm, I'm processing. Oh, they I act I like they're I, sad. They're not sad. I can't. Uh, our Chili's here in Auburn closed, and it's something I'm still not over. So I'm sorry. I heard you get a lot of gift cards from Chili's. So which sorry. doesn't make any sense because I'm like the whole point of me addressing how much we need a Chili's is that we don't have one. So if you want a Chili's gift card, I've got a bunch in my car. I always do. <laughs> you know, the last time I said that on stage, a girl walked up right after the service, and I thought she's here for prayer. Like she's going through something. She's like, I want one of the gift cards. <laughs> She, she got $250 worth of Brinker International gift cards, which are also valid at Macaroni Grill and on the border, and Maggiano's. Didn't know if you knew that. Wow, fancy. Um, well, I just want to say this really quick uh, because— See, this is I'll, what we never get to do, you know, on stage. It's always like, get your Bibles out and let's get serious about the remnant. So I'm having fun. Go ahead. Oh, I was Sorry. just going <laughs> to—yes. I was just going to say that, um, you know, for me, I get the opportunity to have been— and I was in Miles' community group. I don't know if you know this. When I was a ninth grade student, I show up. I don't know Jesus really well. I kind of know him. And I get plugged into this community group. And there's this really excited Italian freshman in college named Miles Fidel who's leading the community group. And so for the next four years, he worked at Chili's and was in, at Kennesaw State University. Hootie who, go Owls. Hootie who. And uh, so while this is happening, he is, I would say, practicing all his sermons on a group of about 10 of us. And so the reason why I say that is is because you guys have no idea what it means to have nothing to offer somebody and then just love you and pursue you and then stand on stage and talk about Jesus. And I just want you to know as somebody up here right now that you have someone who loves Jesus preaching the word, who was willing to do the hard work in his character in college and invest in a group of high school guys that had nothing to offer him in such a way, whereas now I look at my life and it was funny at my rehearsal dinner, it was supposed to be about me and my wife and my dad got up there and gave a 20 minute speech about Miles Fidel <laughs> and why he was the greatest answer to prayer in my life. And, and so on Father's Day, it's fitting because my dad will be at the next gathering. Can't wait to call him out. But I just, I just want you to know that when this, is, when this is just a ministry job and there's just people up here trying to garner a crowd it's in vain, but I will just tell you as somebody whose life has been personally impacted that you have someone leading you, we have someone leading us, shepherding this church, who has done so when nobody was watching and who believes that Jesus truly does win. This is not just a banner statement to try to get a bunch of people in seats. This is the life that we believe we're called to. And so I just wanted to honor you, Miles, if you don't mind. I mean, I don't know what to say. Give him a round of applause, I guess. No. But I just wanted you, you to you know. You definitely don't have to say that or do that because I'm, I'm glad you did because so much of this passage is about me admitting where I've fallen short and imperfections of the last couple of years. So I, I appreciate the encouragement and love being the pastor of this church. But when I read this passage, I cannot help but see our story together. 
and want to tell you right away, like I promise you, myself, our staff, our elders, we are doing the absolute best we can to live out what we see on the pages of scripture. But particularly when we talk about leading a growing movement in a way that's organized, where people are seen and needs are met and people are cared for, we are doing the best we can, but our best efforts are a failure in light of how much we need to rise up to the level of what God's doing here. So I just want to be the first to say out loud, I know in learning over the last decade, I have fallen short in a hundred different ways as your pastor. But when I read this passage, I have tried to allow the growth of our church to not go hand in hand with me getting distracted from what you guys need from me the most. So when we went from under 100 people to, we went from under 100 to 500 to 1,000, and it felt like a year. It was so fast. We were only meeting on Sunday nights. It was almost all college students. Then we started meeting at the AU Hotel, and then it was like 100, 500, 1,000, 1,500, and it was, it was happening so fast. So I read this passage and was like, I got to make a switch. And I, I cannot continue to run my schedule the way I have been. If I'm going to do this and prioritize prayer and the ministry of the word, I made it my ambition to be prayed up and prepared to preach the word of God every Sunday. And if that meant I can't meet with as many people, if that meant I can't be as available as I was in earlier seasons, I cut my schedule down to where Wednesdays and Thursdays were completely blocked off. They were all sermon prep because I knew if I'm going to be in the right spirit and the right mindset to preach on Sundays, I gotta at least have those two days blocked off and sometimes more. And so I think I've learned over nine years how to stand on stage and have a spirit and a body and a mind that is prepared for the moment. I have a, a ton to continue to learn. Let me just say, for those of you aspiring to be pastors, it's the hardest thing in the world to make sure your body, mind, and spirit are in season ready to preach the word of God on most Sundays. It is so, so difficult, and it has become uh, an obsession for me to figure out, okay, how do I make sure I'm ready to preach the word of God to people while still being available for our staff and leading well from the front, but making sure this is uh, at, at the forefront. But in that, I did not know how much I was neglecting the very thing you just complimented me for, which was being a spiritual father to you and to our staff and the younger guys who are all coming up. Our staff has gone from two, three, four, five to, I don't know, Cheryl will probably correct this for the next gathering. I think we're at 58 right now, staff. And so we've got this group of younger guys on staff who have a leader who it feels like the priority is get everything done for thousands of people and be ready to preach and disciple them in passing. And this is where this is going to shift from being a conversation about ACC to something that I think will be useful for the dads in this room and extremely useful if you care about discipling people in your circle is I... I realize, and I told the elders this at our last elder meeting, I cannot pastor 5,000 people. I know that's a shock to some of you. But I said that to the elders, and we're like, oh, we've only been waiting four years for you to say that out loud. Thank you. Um, we, we've all known that. I, th there's no way, particularly in different locations. 
but I am called to steward the young men, particularly who are under our care, who are actually going to be taking this incredible thing God's doing at ACC and spreading it out where so many other people are starving and desperate for a church like the one we have. And I don't think ACC is God's answer for everything that's wrong with the church. And if every city had an ACC, everything would be solved by no means. But we have to admit, God is doing something special here. And if we're going to replicate what God is doing here, it won't just be, we'll just watch the sermon and listen to Miles. It will be, we've got to grow young men and young women in a way to send them out and impact the Big C Church at large. And there's so many different strategies and way that, ways that we're doing that. We're starting a residency program and offering seminary classes. That'll be coming up in the fall. We're, we're organizing and making decisions to that end. But I had to come to grips with the fact that I neglected my spot as a spiritual father to the young guys on staff for the responsibilities that were the most important. And that is the same neglect that so many dads will make the mistake of making in their careers versus leading their families. And this line that this pastor in England dropped on me, read me like a book, I wanna read it to y'all today. And it's really the whole sermon in two sentences, it's this. Distant fathers are distracted with duty. Spiritual fathers are present with delight. I'll read it again. Distant fathers are distracted with duty. Spiritual fathers are present with delight. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of responsibility and working really hard. I absolutely think you should. As a man of God, you should provide for your family and you should be on the grind in your daily life. Do not be lazy, absolutely not. But there's such a difference between the presence of a spiritual father who's there just delighting in the moment and someone who's always distracted by the next moment and the next thing. One of the younger guys on our staff actually told me, he said, I've waited for a year to give you a word from God that God gave me because he said, it drives me crazy when you call yourself a girl dad. He said, you might have three daughters, but you have many more spiritual sons that God has called you to raise. But most of us on staff feel like dad's too busy with the sermon to actually have your time and attention. I was, yeah, I was like, whoa, uh, I need to go repent right now. But what I realized, though, is that leadership in general is wired to work against dads being present with joy. What I mean by that is that leading well from the front of Auburn Community Church depends on my ability to create a unified discontent in you guys. So all I have to do to have us on the same page is create this angst among all of us that we're all feeling. What is it at ACC? It's cultural Christianity in the Bible Belt. You hear it in my voice every week. I'm like, man, we grew up in the South and we grew up in these churches and most of the people come in, we're not really getting disciple, but we wanna be serious, we wanna be the remnant. And all of a sudden, y'all are feeling that same discontent that I feel and we're burning like a fire in unison to spread out because we see a problem and we wanna solve it. The problem with being a father is that's not how you lead your kids. My kids don't need me to come home and point out a discontent about their present. They don't need me to come home and go, hey, you know, our backyard's nice, but if we just sacrificed a little more, we could have, and I love our backyard, by the way, but, but they don't need me to create a discontent. You know what they need the most from dad? Present with delight. They just need me to care about dress up. They just need me to care about whatever it is that they're doing right now. In fact, Aniston's gotten really into preaching 
Uh, I haven't told her some of my theological convictions about females doing that, but um, she, she's like, she's like films herself doing, doing these messages and then wants me to watch it. And it's, it's hilarious. And then she was in a bad mood. So she stomped off and I said, see, it's not easy when you're in a bad mood to get up there and lead those people. Um, but she just, she just needs me to get off my phone to get out of ACC world for a second. You know, we have a, a daughter in our church from a, a really, really prominent church. Like if I, if I said her name, you'd know exactly her, her dad and the church and the, the ministry and all that. And her advice to me being in college at Auburn now was find a way even if to a certain extent you have to fake it, compartmentalize enough to give your girls all of you and to be present with joy. And that's not an effort thing. That's not like a, man, we got to discipline ourselves to not do that. But it is so hard for men because so much of our value runs hand in hand with accomplishments and accumulation. So I'm getting all this value from running and going and doing. And then all of a sudden the way to build a family is to, waste time with my kids. What a switch that is. You will, you will you go to a leadership conference, read a leadership book. You will never hear a talk about wasting time well. It's all about making the most of your day and how to, how to be in the zone here and grow this and do that. And you could do all this. Listen, the best thing we could learn how to do is create a rhythm of rest in our lives so that the people closest enough feel like we have the margin to waste a moment with them loving on them. And there is no truer reflection of our heavenly father. When you imagine what God is like, I want the picture of the father in Luke chapter 15 to be in your head. Y'all look at me and do not miss this. What's he doing? He is in the moment with his sons right where they are. Two very different places. One of them coming from a life of partying and wild living and the other one enslaved by his own self-righteousness. The dad is right there and he's at the party and he's just ready to enjoy the time with his kids. We have to discipline ourselves enough to be present as spiritual fathers with joy. So that's what God is revealing to me. And for me to do that with our staff, by the way, that's gonna be a sacrifice for y'all. I I cannot be at every funeral. I can't be at every wedding. Gage can't be doing all that. So we're having to hire out more pastors and to bring and add to our team. And you're gonna be hearing more about that in the next couple of months, but just know we're aware of this, but that is why I'm consciously choosing. I've gotta be prepared for prayer and the ministry of the word. And I've gotta raise up spiritual sons who are gonna carry this thing decades from now. Come on, come on somebody, I'm in. Um, Um, Is this enjoyable? This is so different. I'm I'm loving it. I got a front row seat, but uh, I wanna drill down on something you said just in passing just now and ask you this question. Um, what do you mean when you were talking about the, the, bo- the body, the mind, the spirit, the heart that you were talking about? Uh, what are some growth areas that you see related to our church in that area? Yeah, so uh, our church, we talked about this recently. I think our, our greatest need right now is spiritual formation to be formed into the image of Jesus over time. I think we're really good at converting people and baptizing people. And we do a really poor job at showing people how to grow into Christ likeness over the course of a lifetime. Uh, There's not a formula for that. That happens relationally. And you watch how Jesus does that with his disciples. And it's very one-on-one and it's very rooted in teaching. So you got the mind, it's rooted in practice. You got the body, but then there's inner work and the heart. And if, if there is a weakness that I see as the pastor of this church, who's called to steward Uh, the ministry of prayer and the ministry of the word. It's that as I'm reading this stuff and looking at you guys every week, I'm noticing that we got severe weaknesses in the school of the mind, the body, and the heart. 
And the reason why that's important is because Jesus told us, it's the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The greatest command from the Son of God is that with all of your being, you learn to love God. I'm looking at such a genuine, desperate for God church, but I'm looking at people who are compartmentalizing their spirituality in these areas. Some of y'all are so good at loving God with your mind. You know Every verse on the Romans road, you're studying during the week, you're listening to podcasts, you're filling your mind with good information. You are paying no attention to the way you eat and drink and treat your body and how that relates to the health of your soul. You're paying very little attention to the inner work that needs to happen from your family of origin so that you stop being so quickly offended by everyone who looks at you the wrong way. And you can know all the verses in your head, but until you work on the heart and you actually engage your body in becoming more like Jesus and become a holistic person, you're gonna be so one-sided. And it's not just true about the mind people, it's true about the other two. Some of us are so heart passionate about worship. We're singing plead the blood and you are ready to freak out running after Jesus. But there's no commitment to engage your mind in knowing how to navigate these cultural wars that we are in with the truth of scripture. My sermon a couple weeks ago about gospel readiness, we cannot be more serious about forming you guys with a deeper worldview about the things of God. Guys, our whole country right now, every store, I was in in Hilton Head, South Carolina this week, had a rainbow flag on the outside of it. Our country right now is in a war and it is a cultural war, it's real. And I'm not saying that so that you freak out or that you go post something on social media. I'm saying that because if you don't know how to engage the most divisive issues of our culture with a biblical worldview, you are not prepared to be a Christian in our day. And so we've got, yeah, we've got to get serious about school of the mind and how do we do that? And so part of it is we're staffing toward this. We we hired a formation pastor who's also our worship pastor, Michael Fagan. Uh, we, we just hired a uh, congregational pastor, Pastor Randy Hemphill, who's moving here from Birmingham. He's phenomenal. And we're going to start a counseling ministry here. We're offering seminary classes like I just... I just kind of spilled the beans on that without asking you about that because that's kind of your area. Cool. But I'm if excited you want to go about up and talk to me. Um, we're, we're doing a bunch of different stuff, and then and then one higher that I need to hit on. If we're ready for it, we can go ahead and hit. Well, on I just want to ask one more final kind of thing. How do we create ways for us to grow in all three here? Okay, this is huge. Oh, the last thing I want what I just said to become is a system of doing church. I don't want it to be. If you need that, go to that class. If you need that, go learn from these people. If you guys. Spiritual formation is not a class you can attend or something that you can check the box on. It is a lifelong growing into your adoption as sonship. Like Christianity is a family that you belong to, not an organization that you join. What I said earlier about God being a heavenly father, your lifelong journey of becoming more like Jesus is becoming who God already says you are. That's what Romans is about. It's about your identity. You're not a slave to sin anymore. You are now a slave to righteousness. So growing in Christ is growing in who God already sees you as in Christ over the course of a lifetime. And by the way, I don't think that ends when we stand before Jesus. I actually think spiritual formation will continue for all of eternity, that we will grow increasing into Christ-likeness the longer and even though you know, no time eternal, but we're gonna be like ever increasing glory, glory to glory, ever brighter, like our youth pastor Tyler Miller 
likes to say. And so over time, how do we do that? How do we grow in our adoption? It's gonna look different for different people. This is why we offer things like emotionally healthy relationships so that people can look under the hood at what's actually happened in their life. This is why we want an organic feel to this church where a younger person can go multi-generational to someone older and go, hey, I'd love to get coffee and hear more about your journey. But the thing we need the most is the older generation to be humble enough about where they've missed it, but also bold enough to step into leadership. We need to be humble enough for some of y'all to go, I don't even know how to navigate these cultural issues that Miles, the 34-year-old, is talking about on stage. It's okay. But you also have to be bold enough to take a college student out to lunch. And you have to not need us to bring you on stage to feel like that mattered. That's a big thing as well. So much of what happens in this church is a competition for notoriety. It's like, when will I make the ACC Instagram page? And if you hit that family again. And the goal is not to be in the limelight and somebody to see it. The goal is to be faithful with what God has entrusted to you. So personal ownership's a big part of it, but we have to see it within the context of adoption, not as a system or a business model that we're a part of. So we're, we're working on all those different ways. The main thing we're missing is the ownership. We got teams for you to serve on. We need you to step up and serve. We got opportunities for you to jump into community groups. We need you to say yes to the sacrifice of making that happen. And let's just go on this journey together over time. We got this building now. We got another building down the street that we'll be doing gatherings at this fall. Like, y'all, just as much as I'm serious about slowing down and being a spiritual father, I'm serious about hitting the gas pedal and seeing Christ be formed in thousands and thousands of people. Come on. I love that. And uh, just a pastor that we also follow, I love that phrase that he says where he says, the gift that you give God at the end of your life is who you become. And I love that that's the seriousness of formation. And so I kind of want to change gears. You said that there's some new staff members and I know everybody here would want to know what you mean by that. So if you want to just take it from here. Yeah, we'll probably be introducing a new staff member, I think every week for the rest of the summer. But this one's super important because you know we, we, we've hired someone to come alongside ACC Kids with education and the future of educating our kids. We've hired someone, like I said, congregational pastor doing more uh, funerals and pastoral care for people and managing a team across the board. Michael Fagan, uh, formation pastor working on membership. But the big spot that we have not been able to fill is Birmingham. Y'all, you, do you know? You, you don't know unless you've been out there. There's like a thousand people in Birmingham who call this their home church. And me and the elders are like, wait, what? Like how, how, we didn't ask for that. We're not that multi-site church who just wants to go plant our flag in another city and go, y'all watch us. We don't ever do that. It just happens. And then we go, okay, how can we foster that and steward that well? So Birmingham since COVID has just been bubbling with excitement, but God has just closed so many doors and I do not want to put the wrong person in place. So we prayed, we fasted, we prayed and prayed and prayed and God said no and God said no and God said no. But finally God has said yes. And so uh, this man and his family have moved to Auburn and they're going to be here for a year and then they're going to Birmingham. And I just, uh, he's going to start to be on stage and I want you to know who he is. So would you give a huge welcome to this stage for the Birmingham campus pastor, Mark Lamb, who's going to make his way up here. Come on up here, Mark. Mark Lamb. Mark Lamb, unfortunately, makes his way to us from Athens, Georgia. Athens, Georgia. Guys, it's fun. We just keep taking their spiritual leaders. You know, (laughs) it's great. You can have those national championships. We'll take Jesus. Yes. (laughs) Guys, it's 
Thank you. This is fun. Like I was over there enjoying this a lot. You think it was like, good? Yeah, I would right. do this on a Tuesday. Like it is, um, it's such an honor for me and my family to be here. If we keep reminding ourselves as a family, like we live in Auburn, Alabama. Like if you would have fast forwarded or rewinded our life a year ago and said, you're going to live in Auburn, Alabama for a year and then Birmingham, we'd be like, oh no, we're going to die in a cow pasture in Athens, Georgia somewhere. And God made it so clear to us that as much as we were enjoying, that he was moving us. And now we're here. And the weird part about being here, and it even happened today so far. I haven't sat through a thing here in this month where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to cry. I'm crying so much. I cried sitting over here during prayer, looking at a fire thing over there earlier. I don't think I knew. I really don't. I don't think I knew how thirsty I was. I was running hard and enjoying so much. But you ever been in one of those moments during a workout that you finally go get the water? And you're like, whoo, I'm dehydrated. I need to make this more of a regular rhythm. So for me, in the month that we've been here and getting to see last week Birmingham People Church at home, getting to see what God's doing in your lives in Birmingham, we are overwhelmed and humbled to be a part of what God is doing. And if we could spend all the days of our lives pointing towards that, that Jesus is win, that Jesus wins, that Jesus is better. If we could spend all the days of our life doing that, we're in. And we're here in Auburn and almost in Birmingham. We'll see you a lot in Birmingham. Love it. Yeah, Love man. it, Mark. I'm so pumped that you're here. Yeah. And I wanted our church family to know, hey, we got a year with them. Let's show them uh, that ACC hospitality and family dynamic like never before so that they can carry it. And I just... Part of me thinks that y'all are not going to be alone in making that two-hour journey. And so I, I did not plan on doing this. But Holy Spirit, Carolyn Fickner, you know it Come happens on. in the moment. Y'all, if, if, if you want to pray about potentially being a part of that initial launch team with Mark in Birmingham, I think this is a moment for you to go, God, are you calling us to be a part of carrying something new two hours away? It might, that might be for like one person and we hear that story later, but just felt like I needed to add that and say that. Felt so right. I like that. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, don't go alone. I would love for you not to go alone. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm so grateful for Mark. Just so you know, Mark and I actually work together um, back in Athens. And uh, one of the things that you guys don't know about Mark is that there are moments again where his character was tested. And I don't have to go into any details, but where he stood the test of this is a man of God. And he had moments where he could have taken the route to be better than others. And he chose the humble route and God exalts the humble. And I think this is a moment for us as a church to watch you as kind of God is the one who's chosen you. In fact, the way that you even got here is such a miracle in that I randomly texted Mark. We were randomly texting that day. And that morning you said you had prayed, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but even if it's something random in some other city, our answer is yes. And then an hour later I texted you and said, hey man, have you ever uh, been to Birmingham and thought about being a Birmingham <laughs> campus pastor? I'm like, okay, the Lord was all over. Yeah. And he said, well, I worked at a Starbucks in Mountain Brook. I did. <laughs> That's now a Santos or something like that. That's disappointing. Something nice. So I, I just, I think it's amazing, Mark. I'm so proud that you're up here. And I feel weird saying that because I'm younger than you. Um, but I'm also younger just, than you too. I'm currently the oldest guy on the stage. Wow. <laughs> that won't, that won't last for long. long. A little foreshadowing. That won't last for long. 
Hey, we got one more thing we want to do before we send you guys out. We're not closing with a time of worship or anything. We're actually closing with a pastoral moment from an absolute legend. Uh, I realize that our staff is locked and loaded with really, really young pastors, uh, but we hope you know that our heartbeat is to be led by the spiritual fathers that have gone before us. And I, I hope, and I hope I embody submission to the elders who are all older than me in a way that the whole church can emulate. But man, I, I feel like we had a moment on Father's Day because hold on, sir, hold on. You got to wait till I call you up here. Oh, all right, snuck up. He, he he's he's a little gung ho. He's like, I got I, I, I got to take, take over this thing. So this man was sitting in the crowd at a night gathering about a year ago in Airport Road. And, and, and I'm preaching like four times. I'm like, I see, make eye contact. I'm like, whoa, is that who I think it is? And then I get to talk to him for a second after and find out that uh, we have a legend who has become an extended part of our church who is a longtime pastor in the Montgomery area. For many of you, I know he... he baptized you or he, he officiated your wedding or he's a part of your family. So we thought it would be cool on Father's Day to bring a spiritual father up here and send our church out with a powerful word. Would you welcome Dr. John Ed Matheson to the stage? I apologize for not getting me a shirt too small for me, <laughs> so it would, uh, so my muscles would look a little bit better. But uh, you know, I think they forgive you. Oh, okay. Ah, great. You look hey, great, though. <laughs> you look great. Hey, thank you for what you're sharing. Hey, I've got three grandkids that are active here in serving, and I'm glad you're going to Birmingham. I've got a grandson at Samford who follows you. And they go there, so I've got one person already in Birmingham Bow wow. who will help start it out there. And I don't know of any church I could trust my grandkids to more than what you're doing at Thank you. Auburn Christian Community Church. I mean, it's just great. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank you. Well, we wanted to ask you, you know, we, we've had all these baby dedications. You got to see some of that earlier. You got three younger dads and pastors, what would you say to the dads of our church on Father's Day who are raising a family and have careers and just speak from experience and let us glean some wisdom on Father's Day? Most every male wants some kind of title. If you're in school, you want to be a graduate, maybe even valedictorian. If you're in the military, you want to be proud to be a captain or a colonel or you want that title. If you're in sports, you want to be first string. If you're a coach, you want to be head coach. We have these titles. But men, the greatest title you'll ever have is to be a godly father and husband and grandfather. Now, you, you can accomplish a lot of things. But when you do that, then you've reached the pinnacle. And I, I love what you said. Love God. If you go to Deuteronomy 6, just read the first 10 verses. There, it's clear. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he tells you how you ought to do that when you walk or sit down or lie down or get up or sleep or awake. That's about every day, all the day. You got to be a godly father. You got to do it and do it every day. And then all of a sudden we'll begin to see a difference. The greatest need in America today is for godly men to become godly fathers. 
and to stand up and to raise kids in the admonition and love of God to walk that way. So good. Oh, man, I just want to stay all day. I also wanted to ask you, it's, it's uh, been humbling today to hear you encourage our volunteers beforehand and encourage me personally. Uh, our church is almost a decade in. We've experienced a legitimate move of God over the course of the last decade. As a pastor who has been faithful over the course of a lifetime, what would you say over our church at large in this moment in, in time? I think I would say you do what you talked about a while ago and you do what he said you ought to do as a church and you have a marvelous future. The trouble that you might have as you are growing so fast is that you begin to be a little proud of what you're doing. And if you're not careful, you stop doing what it is that brought you to this point. And the biggest temptation that I think Satan will put before you is Hey, just enjoy what you're doing and quit doing it. I, I love coaches. I was speaking at a big coaches conference two weeks ago, college, high school coaches. There were 10 state championship coaches there in high school. And I just asked them, I said, now, what's the toughest thing about winning a state championship? Some of them were two-peats and three-peats. They said, to think about next year and what God wants us to do next year and the most important thing about being a Christian coach is not winning games, but winning souls. And it's not about how big you grow or what you brag about. Uh, Jeremiah 9.23, he said, don't brag about your wisdom. Don't brag about your money. Don't brag about the Lord God Almighty. And if you keep Jesus up, and if you follow him, and he said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all people unto myself. It's there. And if you keep doing that, and then I love what all of the servants, when we met this morning, this whole section was filled with serving people. You got more folks serving here than most churches have in church across America. Hey, but let me tell you, the future's in front of you. And I, I was here three or four weeks ago when you preached early in Acts about they were full of awe. Let me just give you a challenge. Here it is, ACC. If you're full of awe, that makes you an awful church. And my prayer is that in the future, you'll become the most awful church that could be established anywhere and what Come God on. could do because you've lifted up Christ and we're following him. Put it on the wall beneath Jesus wins. Awful church. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Hey, thanks so much for being a part of this time. I thought it would be a gift to have John Ed pray over the dads of our church. So if you serve in the role of father, whether that be biological or adopted, or you've, you've taken up the mantle of raising a son or a daughter, would you stand to your feet right now? And uh, we're, we're actually going to stand as well because we got, we got four dads on this stage, one granddad. And John Ed, I just want to invite you to pray a blessing over the dads of our church. And if you know one of the dads around you, maybe place a hand on shoulder and let's, let's just have a moment with our dads to be filled up and encouraged today. Oh, God, thank you for being my daddy. And of everything that's ever happened in my life, thank you. And you're always my daddy, my Abba. And I'm grateful for the dad you gave me. I was blessed, but a lot of us didn't, people here didn't have dads. 
But every one of us who is ever married can become a godly dad. And oh God, I'm going to pray for a special anointing and blessing. Of all the things that we can leave to our kids, the greatest thing we can leave is a relationship with Jesus to live eternally. And may every dad here, I pray that you might anoint in every home that our main thing is to share the good news of Christ and teach His commandments and be involved in the church and become the dads that you want us to be. As Miles said, we never reach that. We won't be perfect, but we need to be moving in that direction and improving. And whenever a team improves every day, whenever a family improves every day, whenever a church is improving every day, God, you're going to bless it. And I'm going to pray for a special, special anointing upon every father. Use us. And I pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus, whose name we lift high and whose principles we follow. In his name, amen. Amen. Can we praise God for everything he's done today? Come on. Come on. Everybody can stand up. We hope and pray that you've been blessed by everything you've experienced today. Go and live as sons and daughters of your heavenly Father, glorifying the name of Jesus as members of the kingdom of God. We'll see you guys next week. Go and be the church. Happy Father's Day.